Attention. It's time to register for Elusian Live 2024, April 7th through 10th in San Antonio, Texas. Illuminate, innovate, inspire, explore higher education's greatest opportunities with future ready ideas, solutions, and best practices designed to drive transformation. Register now at elive.elusian.com. This conference is going to be epic. By now, you've heard me talk about Insights EDU in Phoenix, Arizona, February 20 through 22nd. Here's why I think you should join us at the Insights EDU conference. It's one of the few conferences focused on helping schools serve today's online and non-traditional students. If you're concerned at all about where your enrollments are going to come from in 2024 and beyond, and you should be concerned, you need to be at this conference. Register now at insightsedu.com and use promo code EDUP to save $50. Prepare to be astonished. Welcome back, everybody. It's your time to add up on the EdUp Experience podcast where we make education your business. Dr. Joe Sustio here on another episode. I'm a little out of breath. I literally ran, and I mean it, ran across campus. I'm about 15 minutes late for like two of the guests. I've been waiting months to get on my podcast. And of course, this is the day that I can't make it in time, but they've been hanging out uh, with Elvin. I'm surprised after hanging out with Elvin that they didn't just leave, but they've stayed and they're still here. And I'm going to bring them in right away because we've got so much time to talk about, so many things to talk about uh, and so little time to do it. Ladies and gentlemen, my first guest, here he is. His name is Philip Courtney. He is the CEO of Urban Arts. Philip, how are you? I'm well, thank you. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Thanks for waiting and thanks for coming on the podcast. We're really excited to hear more about urban arts, but I do want to bring in my second guest as well. Ladies and gentlemen, here she is. Her name is Cynthia Williams, and she is the president of Wizards of the Coast and Hasbro Gaming. You might have heard of Hasbro before. Cynthia, how are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? Uh, again, thank you so much for waiting for me. I feel like I've done you both a disservice, but by the end of this, you're going to forget that you had to wait because we're going to have so much fun. Uh, but we're going to go get, kick it back over to Philip first. Um, Urban Arts, uh, Phil, uh, Philip, tell us, just give us the two-minute update on Urban Arts, and let's assume somebody listening to this podcast has not heard of Urban Arts before. Right. Well, thank you. So Urban Arts is a, uh, an arts and technology not-for-profit so we serve uh, underrepresented students from low-income communities, um, and we teach them the art and science of game development. So how to make video games and everything that goes in that, including obviously the computer science piece, the coding, or that of course is changing rapidly with AI, but also the art forms that go into making a video game, the music, the storytelling, most importantly, the storytelling, and of course the animation and every other sort of art form you would see expressed through a video game. So those are the hard skills we teach uh, students. And obviously there are a huge amount of soft skills involved in that. We couple that obviously um, probably very relevant to your podcast with a, we like to call uh, um, uh, a private school level college access services to these students for free. Um, so that they can uh, matriculate to college um, and earn the maximum in scholarships. Obviously, the college debt problem being something that we are also focused on, being a not-for-profit that serves low-income students. So our students, they learn um, all, this, all the skills for video games. They create amazing portfolios. 
and they matriculate to college. And so far we've earned roughly 16, 17 million. They have earned 16, 17 million dollars in college scholarships uh, in the last six years. And um, and then Hasbro comes in to this, to this picture because we partner with them, with our alumni. We have a great body of alumni who who have access to great companies like Hasbro where they get to really learn about the world of work and what the possibilities are. Gaming is gonna be a $300 billion industry in the next few years. It's huge. Um, and we want economic mobility for our students. That, that's that's our goal, that's our mission. Amazing. How long has Urban Arts been around? Like, how, how many years have you been doing this? Well, we've been around since actually a while and I've been running it for about 20 years. We've been around for about 30 years, but it's only in the last six years. And this is the important part that we pivoted from being a very general organization, doing lots of different art forms uh, at every level, K through 12. And we were doing some of them well and some of them not so well, as you can imagine. A lot of different sort of plate spinning, as it were. To six years ago, we doubled down and said, what do we want to be when we grow up? And uh, when we thought about it, when I thought about the potential for economic mobility for our students, which really was the major factor. Yes, arts are fantastic. They're a human right. But, you know, if we want economic mobility for our young people, then the intersection of arts and tech, in this case, gaming, right, teaching those hard skills, computer science skills, along with the art forms, um, and perhaps Cynthia at some point will concur, uh, the skills that these students develop uh, make them so uh, give them such a leg up um, in the world of work, move, you know, in the future. So six years ago we pivoted, and so it's a relatively new iteration of this company, six years old that we really doubled down on on gaming. Yeah, smart move. I mean, gaming has exploded right in the last couple decades. I mean, I, I'm an individual that goes all the way back to. I mean, you start thinking about. Uh, gaming, we, that's how I learned as a kid. Uh, part of how I learned was through gaming. And Cynthia, I'm assuming, is the president of, of uh, Wizards of the Coast and Hasbro Gaming. You know a thing or two about gaming. Uh, talk to us about Wizards of the Coast and talk to us about Hasbro. Let's assume, even though it would be really, it would be one heck of an assumption that somebody goes, I don't know what Hasbro is, but because um, they've probably seen it on a Monopoly board at some point. Um, talk about uh, the in, what, what you do and how you do it. Yeah, first of all, thanks for having us. We're super excited to talk about this. We so strongly believe that there's such power in play and games are one of the key components for doing that. I have the immense honor of leading the teams that create and run the games uh, from Magic the Gathering, which is Hasbro's first billion dollar brand, uh, to Dungeons and Dragons, which is the world's best and uh, most famous role-playing game and been around 50 years in 2024. We're having our anniversary this year, uh, as well as some of the OG board games. You know, you've got OG. Monopoly Monopoly, and Scrabble and uh, Candyland, which was the first board game I ever played. Um, and I learned to count playing, playing Candyland. Um, but so, yeah, I have, and additionally, we have uh, started investing in digital games. Uh, and as of the Video Game Awards this uh, past December, we announced our first premium game we're launching uh, called Exodus. So if you haven't, go check out the trailer. It's pretty cool. Yeah, you know, uh, admission. Uh, I just downloaded um, two weeks ago Monopoly on my phone for five bucks because I played with my kids over the break, you know, over the Christmas break. And I remembered how much I love it. And I was teaching my um, eight-year-old to make change. 
right? That's what we're teaching her to make change is through Monopoly. And she buys something and, you know, we, we take our sweet time because she's got to figure out the hundreds and the fifties and the twenties. And you start to think about, wow, financial preparation, understand, you know, are we going to get to the point as humans where we don't know how to make change anymore? Because all I got to do is a little, a, a tappy. So you think about those skills, um, and how much gaming, and I'm a big believer in gaming, how much you can learn resilience and grit and, and teamwork. And I go back over to you, Philip, for a second in urban arts, you've really moved gaming into the classroom, right? Um, you've yeah. gotten a second grant. I want you to talk about the grant that you received, um, you know, steam degrees. I mean, this is an important part of the way technology is moving. Um, and gaming is going to be embedded in everything in some way, isn't it? Yeah. in every, I mean, consumer creator experience, uh, it's, you know, it's huge. Uh, yeah. So, uh, actually a uh, small correction, um, on our side, um, it's our third, uh, us department of education grant totaling around, well, totaling 12 million in investment in it's the U S department of education. Yeah. It is, yeah, it is a good correction and not easy to get the U S department of education office of innovation and improvement. Uh, these grants are designed to, uh, sort of scale what works in education. Well, firstly, identify a problem which is uh, black and brown students from low-income communities getting into the STEM fields, developing a STEM identity. Um, and so we have, uh, so yeah, we work outside of the classroom, but as you, as you just mentioned inside as well, we have a couple of, um, we have a couple of programs. The newest grant we just got just back in December is a partnership uh, with Minecraft education for middle school students. So that's an introduction to computer science. Minecraft has obviously built an amazing ecosystem, obviously a hugely successful game. Um, but uh, Minecraft education is also a very robust offering. And 99% uh, of schools across the US have uh, Microsoft licenses um, sort of built into their, their, uh, their, their, uh, into their school ecosystem, as it were, and and sort of tucked into that Microsoft license is a Minecraft education license that schools can use, and so our goal there is to exploit that, as it were, and um, and uh, help all of these schools across the U.S. use Minecraft education more to teach students um, essentially how to make their own video games. There's a whole um, uh, construct called game code within the Microsoft education universe. So that's very exciting. And then the other one that we got a couple of years ago is more focused on high school and the APCSP talk about college prep again. Um, that was designed by the college board, uh, the AP computer science principles course, which was the second because the first one was the APCSA, which was a little more high level, perhaps a little more theoretical. Um, the APCSP was designed to attract more um, uh, black and brown students to the STEM fields. Um, and one of the, the markers of, of that course is that 50% 50, 50 of the grade or the course essentially is project-based learning, meaning you are making something. You are not just learning how to code or you're not just learning the theory, you are making something. And of course, where do we come in? Well, uh, we've created a course uh, for that APCSP called Game On, where you are making your own original video game. And so that's we're a couple of years into that one, but getting some great results. So we we don't just you know serve students directly, which is of course what we do, but we also train and partner with teachers across the country to integrate it right uh, into the curriculum where the students are at every day, uh, you know, five days a week, um, and try and get it embedded into into the system. You know, digital digital games, obviously, um, you know, newer, 
but the OG games, Cynthia, as you said, learning's been embedded. Um, learning, learning has been embedded in our lives. Obviously, gaming has been embedded in our lives as a as a way to learn for a really long time. Is this a conversation that comes up uh, at Hasbro? Uh, you know, how do we make games where people? You know, is learning a um, a foundational principle of gaming in general? How you make games? How you think about games? The um, value proposition of those games, right? Because there's so many skills that we learn from them. Is this a central conversation that you're having all the time? I think one of the places we have it the most frequently is within our Dungeons and Dragons organization. We partnered with Young Minds Inspiring to create classroom curriculum based on the learnings that we'd seen from people playing Dungeons and Dragons. We met a phenomenal educator named uh, Cade Wells, who had created curriculum that would meet his school system's criteria and was using it in his classroom to phenomenal results. Uh, we continue to partner with him. Some of you may have seen him in a D&D panel uh, with us at Games for Change Festival in New York City this past summer. He'll also be joining us at the South by Southwest EDU program, where we'll be doing a similar panel. But what we saw is not only does Dungeons and Dragons encourage people to learn to read, it teaches them resilience. It teaches them, you know, social skills. It teaches them to learn to express who they actually are to people, to understand consequences to actions. And so we've partnered with Young Minds Inspiring to create curriculum that is shared free of charge uh, for school systems for fourth graders and up. And thus far, we've reached 16 million teachers, parents, kids to outstanding results. You know, the teachers are coming back and asking for more because they're just seeing such high engagement levels uh, from, from their students. So we've also started offering the, the components you'd need to run an after-school program and they tell, or a club, and they tell us they, they sell out, they get, they get full uh, as fast as they can find someone to lead the program. So I think it's a matter of when you can capture someone's imagination and their learning core skills at the same time. It was just a win-win environment uh, for in the in the field of education, and so we're super excited about what's happening with that and with about our partnership uh, with Urban Arts. You know, we uh, we love what they're doing, and so our game designers will often work with their participants and you know, show them here's what we do and how we do it so they can get some of that real world experience. And we're delighted uh, to be partnering with Urban Arts because it's having such great results. Is that is that the kind of the crux of the partnership uh, of Philip and Cynthia? Um, you, you've got students, Philip, they uh, need that real world experience or real world mentorship. You pair them or so in some way you pair them up with somebody at Hasbro who's developing and, and they mentor them? Is that, how does it work, the partnership? Yeah, there's, there's, yeah, go ahead, Cynthia. I'd say there's two parts to it. Uh, we have a Hasbro Foundation that is committed to working 
uh, around play initiatives. And uh, we partner with Urban Arts as part of our Playmakers Initiative, which is about you know, funding people to learn to be game designers. Uh, we're working primarily with their post-secondary educational opportunities. And we offer Game Design 101 workshops uh, to bring them in so they can learn to design and develop games. Mm. Yeah, our ultimate goal. Um, so we, we, as you've heard, we start with middle school and then high, by the time it's high school, then there's a very sort of path to college access path, a sort of three-year path. Um, uh, but once they they matriculate to college, then we, we stay in touch with our alumni. And uh, our ultimate goal on the other end of the spectrum is is to be like that diverse talent pipeline for companies like Hasbro, right? Um, we hope that in the future that, um, you know, Hasbro will look upon us and our alumni as potential um, employees. That's a fact. That's a fact. I'm sure that will happen. And I do want to bring this up, though, you guys, because we're talking about gaming and training and hard skills and soft skills in college and college readiness. You know, one of the things that's happening within our industry of higher education is the public sentiment around a degree is in the decline. You know, there's the public doesn't trust universities as much as they used to. There's, um, you know, uh, different camps on whether a college degree still has value and should you go get a degree? Should you not get a degree? Are there other post-secondary pathways you could take? What are you what What are you seeing? You're working with all types of businesses, both Urban Arts and Hasbro. And, and Cynthia, I'll start with you. What do you, What do you see in this space? This conversation around college, no college degree, no degree. Oh, it's still such a hot debate, um, isn't it? I would say, yep. for the most part. Uh, the, the way we talk about it is in our job descriptions, for example, either you have the degree or you have the relevant experience uh, to do the job. So we don't, you don't have to have the degree. I think a degree does show your, uh, your persistence, your ability to complete a goal. Um, I think the really hard part is if you choose not to go down the college route to get a degree, it's how do you get that? experience. I came from rural North Carolina and it was not a place that was abounding with opportunities like it is here in Seattle, you know, where I am. Um, for me, a college degree and then a master's degree was my path out um, and path towards opportunity. So I probably have a personal bias to it, you know, it changed my life. Everybody does. That's why it's such a hot debate. It, it is. Um, but you know, a lot of great tech companies in in this on the West Coast aren't requiring them. I think it's a matter of how do you find your path to getting the opportunity if you choose not to get the degree. Yeah, I think that's the key. Should I just jump in there? Yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, Are you kidding me? No, I'm not. For a third straight year, the EdUp Experience will be recording live at Elysium Live 2024. This year in San Antonio, Texas, April 7th through the 10th, illuminate, innovate, and inspire. That's the framework for the conference. Leaders from institutions around the world will converge at Lucian Live 2024 to discover game-changing technology, share industry insights, and build powerful connections. It's time to explore higher education's greatest opportunities with future-ready ideas, solutions, and best practices designed to drive transformation. 
you can register now at elive.elucian.com. Epic. Oh, yeah. You've heard me talk about the Insights EDU conference. Well, let me tell you three reasons why I think everyone listening should join us in Phoenix, Arizona on February 20 through 22nd for Insights EDU. One, it's one of the few conferences focused on helping schools serve today's online and non-traditional students. Two, you can expect a mix of speakers you won't hear anywhere else, including higher ed leaders from Google, LinkedIn, Adobe, and more. And reason three, Insights EDU has an agenda packed with sessions discussing the latest trends in higher ed leadership, marketing, and enrollment management. Register now at insightsedu.com and use promo code EDUP to save $50 off your registration. Oh, yeah. So our program is a college access college prep program because of the nature, because of the students we serve. And the data is still very clear that having a college degree, uh, especially if you come from a low-income community, um, is is better. However, do I believe that that's the only way to do it? No. Um, so so we've designed a program that is obviously college-focused, um, and we found this niche where, uh, you know, get, firstly, also game design undergraduate degrees, and Cynthia, we were talking about this, and there's a master's degree now. Uh, what was the master's degree? Where was that being offered, the new one? Yeah, Duke University is Duke, now right. offering a master's in game design, game development in their yeah. uh, engineering school. And yeah. we're just hugely excited about that. It is partly because I come from North Carolina, but I am just- I was going to say, we got to find a that. couple others besides Duke, you know, to get, get <laughs> yeah. in the game. But but in the in the undergraduate space, it's a, it's a fast growing degree, right? Game design undergraduate degree is is a fast growing field where more and more undergraduate degrees are being offered. We actually um, we are partnered with New York City. Uh, it was four years in the making, but we just launched in partnership with uh, City College in New York, part of the CUNY system, the first ever undergraduate public option uh, game design degree. Uh, so it's not a private college. You can go there. You can you know have an affordable education. You can graduate without debt without getting all those big scholarships. That's the tagline, so, right? It's te tech without debt. Yeah. Um, so I, I would love to run an organization, a company. I'd love to run Urban Arts one day where we have a college, our college prep program, right? Because I'm never going to tell one of our students you don't need to go to college. That's not my job to do that, right? However, um, do, we, do we hear that from some of our students? Yes. We do not have the infrastructure currently to be able to provide a post-secondary pathway a workforce development pathway alongside that. And that's what I think is in, in very important what Cynthia said. Like, if it's not college, you have to have a very, very uh, thought out, rigorous plan of how you're going to get there. And that's there's a lot of innovation that's going to happen in that space. I'm excited about it. I hope that Urban Arts, if we're talking in three to five years from now, has that, that other pathway. Um, but it, so it's definitely a watch this space kind of thing. But I still believe, and I, you know, people could disagree that for the students that we serve uh, a college degree is still currently um you know the best the best way to to get where you're going yeah you know it's uh it, it's it really it's such an interesting discussion especially when you talk to um folks like yourselves because um you know in higher ed which i am a part of higher education i really believe in a college degree or else i wouldn't work in higher education like i would i would find something else to do uh we understand 
degrees. We we all do, right? You know that there's an associate degree, and if you go on beyond that, you get a bachelor's degree, and if you go on beyond that, you get a master's degree. So although there's lots of traditionalism built into that, we do, as a populace, understand how that works. It steps forward and so on. Um, there's a big question in the U.S. why we can't understand uh, the three-year bachelor's degree, which uh, the U.K. does very well, but I think yeah. we're getting to that. Uh, the credentialing space, there's like a more than a million credentials. I've joked on this podcast all the time. It's like my cousin Vinny, you know, he's slinging your greatest, um, your next real estate uh, class and you're going to stack this credential has no meaning to anybody else. And so it's going to take organizations like Urban Arts or Hasbro to start offering things that, that, that the organization who's offering it shows the value of it. Yeah. Right. Um, Google yeah. is a good example of that. Right. You have a Google certificate. You understand the value of Google as a brand. So you think, you know, you're going to get that. But that's what makes it so confusing. So you go back to Cynthia when you look at a resume and you go, what are all these credentials and how do they stack and which one has meaning, which one doesn't? It makes it very confusing. And for the person who's hiring, who probably has a college degree, there's always a built in bias, which is what makes this all so confusing and so personal. Um, but there are many students, uh, Philip, and, and you would know this too, Cynthia, that are wondering how to, uh, maybe college isn't right for them right away, but it's later. Um, and so we're starting to see more adult students. Um, we're starting to see second career individuals go back to school and start a new career. Is that a, a demographic you serve in general? Or are you focused more on the K-12 pipeline to college? And Cynthia, do you see that? in the stuff you're doing at Hasbro as adult students or is it more the traditional student? Well, we just to answer quickly, we serve K through where we are, you know, our students are sort of, you know, well now with middle school, it's a bit different, but through, you know, the age of 24. Right. So yeah, we're not sort of in the adult space. Ourselves. Right. 24 starts to get there. Right. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Cynthia. Um, because we don't necessarily focus on helping people develop skills from high school to entering the workforce, I, I do think I'll call out what I see happening in the digital gaming space in particular that is um, helping people achieve some of those skills at, if they are choosing not to go that the route of the traditional program. You know, Philip mentioned minecraft education you know so people are learning to build games within platforms like minecraft and roblox and there are a multitude of others uh and it's not that hard to get into the unreal engine or by which is by epic games or unity's engine and learn to code and we're seeing people who are going to college but have been coding in those programs from very early ages have much more advanced skills coming out of college. There's a young man on one of my teams, uh, one of our game studios who I think had been coding in Unreal since he was 12. That is amazing. We hired him from Epic Games. Wow. So that helped him enter into Epic. Uh, and I think he's gonna be a rock star of the video game industry throughout yeah. his career. Yeah, our students do Unity as well. Um, and to answer your earlier question, there's a whole progression in, in Epic too, but there's a whole progression in Unity um, where you can you can gain, and they're not teaching, a lot of colleges are not teaching 
like our students, our alumni are even doing it because that is not being taught in college. But um, you could, there's a progression of Unity skill and unit, Unity cert, certified user exams and then programmer and all these other levels uh, where if you get to the end, you're without, even without a college degree, you're pretty employable. Is it so back, back to your point, there are parts of the gaming world that colleges and universities are not offering or can, can we not keep up with it? Is it advancing too fast? Is it just not something that we as an industry think about embedding in a, in a program? What do you, what, what do you think? I'm not a college expert because I'm a K-12 expert, but we're all I do college know... experts. That's the way the <laughs> industry works. <laughs> Yeah, I think there's, I mean, there's only so much real estate in the curriculum, I think, number one. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I see college, more colleges using um, uh, Epic Games than Unity. I, we do a lot of Unity and we do a lot of it in the um, high school space. It's more accessible and at the entry point, um, it's just it's very accessible for young people uh, to start off with. Um, yeah, it's a good question. I mean, um, I think it's it's catching up. I mean, Unity, uh, Unity, and, and Epic are definitely uh, competing uh, for that space, right? They're competing yeah. for that college space and that mindshare. Um, and from what I've heard from some of the colleges we work with, they're, they're either a Unity one or a, or an Epic college, you know. So, um, but, but I did hear from someone who shall remain nameless that it actually doesn't matter that. It matters that the students develop these skills and do these certifications, but whether you're doing 20% Epic and 80% Unity or 20% Unity and 80% Epic, you're going to end up kind of with the requisite skill set to be where you need to be. Mm. Cynthia, how about you? Same? Uh, similar. You know, I, I would say throughout my professional career, I've had universities coming to me and asking about what skills are, do you really need in the real world that we're not providing yet? It, it feels like there's always a chase going yeah. on to stay current. Um, I also agree with Philip. It doesn't matter if you're learning to do this in Unity or Unreal. What really matters is that you're, if you want to want a career in game design, is that you're starting to learn some of the principles of how that's done. And, you know, you may end up at a game studio who has a proprietary engine and you have to learn to code in that, but it's, those yeah. coding skills, the thinking about game design, narrative design, you know, how sound is used in games, all of that starts playing into building out your portfolio of skills that will make you attractive to someone in a game studio who is looking for that skill. Yeah, right, so what we're we... hearing from our Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead, Phil. Go ahead. Phil. No, and what we're hearing from our so this this degree we, we created at, at, in CUNY, we have a, an EAB, it's called an educational advisory board made up of people from Rockstar and Hasbro. And and what we're hearing from the employers is actually the most important thing, aside even from these, you know, whether it's Unity or Unreal Engine, is the portfolio, which uh, Cynthia mentioned. Having that portfolio, you know, it's it's showing your 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 um uh, your train of thought and your skills as you develop them and, and the creativity. And that's where our, and that's where we've evolved our high school program to making sure that yes, we're teaching the skills, but really the students, what, what sets the students apart, especially to get into these competitive colleges um, with these scholarships is the portfolio. Cause there is a huge amount of applicants for game design degrees who've never made a game before, because actually making a game is pretty hard. 
and uh, it takes a while and um, and there are many, you know, and that's fine. But what sets our students apart is they all come with a very robust portfolio. And I think that continues to resonate in the world of work. Tell them like it is. Okay. Right. What about AI? Didn't that hit? Didn't that really hit yet? No, I mean, how does, seriously, like, like gamers, anybody who's developing a game, right, AI comes along, you would think that this is, this is an ongoing conversation at Urban Arts. What about AI? It's, 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 what do we think about it? Well, so since we uh, launched our program, as you heard, we're at the intersection of arts and tech, right? Students are learning how to code. They're also learning all these art forms. And um, what we've seen over the last six years, even before the AI conversation, there's always, you know, how, how long does it take to learn how to code at the level you need to in order to make the game? How long does it take to master the music or the storytelling, all of these things? And there's always a sort of a battle of real estate that's just not enough time. And and um, uh, in in uh, in talking to our students and surveying them, the most recent feedback we got before the sort of like about a year ago was like, there's just too much coding. And there's so much debugging in coding. It's like so much of coding is, is you create the code and then you have to figure out where the mistakes are. And um, so, so what I'm, so what I'm excited about with AI is that, um, and we're right in the middle of it, right? Cause we're actually teaching students how to do this every day. And with the advent of AI, how are things going to change? Well, I'm, what I'm hoping is going to happen. And this is what was also expressed by our students is like, we, where, where did the art go? We want the art forms. We want the creativity part. We're spending like 70% of the time coding and debugging. So I'm hoping that AI helps us to accelerate that and bring the arts back and find that balance. Um, I think also with, with the AI, there's just more importance now, uh, I think Cynthia, Cynthia alluded to this, on language, right? Uh, knowing how, knowing about language and building, if you're asking the AI to build something for you, you're gonna need to, to um, be much more uh, clear with your language. And so I think what we're gonna see from our program is more art forms, more language, more storytelling, Certainly the coding is uh, front and center, but hopefully there's less, you know, sort of debugging and busy work in the coding and can just be accelerated more. Well, I want you guys to know that I love this conversation. In fact, I'm going to hang out with you until the end of time. So get ready. Uh, I've got your email, so you're going to hear from me all the time now. So, you know. No, I, I want to, you've got a higher education audience here. We have a lot of presidents, um, high-level administrators listen to this podcast. What do we want to say about the future of, of education, the power of play, gaming? Let's, from your perspective, Cynthia, we'll start with you. What do you see for, but what do you want to say? Open mic. What do you want to say about the power of playing gaming? And, and then what do you see for the future of education? I had an opportunity to speak uh, at Games for Change Festival at the UN this summer. And one of my key points was that play is a human need. This is not frivolous. This is not a way to waste time. There's so much connection and community built through gaming, but this conversation is really about the educational benefits of both game development and playing games and all the skills that can be built there. I, if I were appealing based on opportunity, you know, Philip alluded to this earlier. Video games are played by 3 billion people around the world. Including me. 
I would argue that games in general are played by all 7 billion people on the planet. And the games industry is now the largest and fastest growing form of entertainment on the planet. If you aren't including game design and development in your educational curriculum, you are robbing your students of an opportunity to prepare to be in one of the fastest growing industries that we have. Bullseye. I like that point. Thank you. Philip, over to you. Open uh, mic. What do you want to say about urban arts, power play, future of education? The, the problem we're trying to solve in education is there's a huge amount of disengagement, right? And education, you know, especially in underfunded schools uh, where, where education just can be really pretty dry and so uh, you know Cynthia talks about the, the power of play and gate and 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 gaming as as an educational tool and so I think that's huge and you know this 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 uh what we call gaming pathways in New York which is this public option undergraduate game design course that came out of the fact that we were graduating more and more students um, who really wanted to go out there and study video games and not all of them got into the you know the NYUs or the USCs and Many of our students do, but not all, right? And so the ones that went into the CUNY system didn't, they had to study something else. They had to study some sort of other course in parallel with a bit of gaming throwing in or, you know. Um, and so we saw an entrepreneurial opportunity there, right? Which was, that there was not, you know, there was not one undergraduate program in CUNY offering a four-year uh, bachelor's degree. So I would say, to pre first to say to presidents, like, survey your, your, your students, and, and they probably have already, and because game design undergraduate degrees are on the rise. But uh, you know, listen to your to your people and the students you're serving and your incoming students, and and see what their appetite for this is. Because my guess was would be that it would be huge. Yeah, anything that you can turn put gamification. I mean, we used to talk about gamification and everything back a couple of years ago in higher ed, and and then everything became gamified in some way, and that's. People get motivated by that. Your gym memberships are based on that. You know, they throw the heart monitor around you and put up on the board how you're doing against the person running on the treadmill next to you. It's all about yeah. gaming, right? Yeah. It, it really yeah. is. Well, game I is know... the teacher. The game is the teacher. Yes, it is. It is the future. Um, there's going to be no, the teacher. Of... The teacher. I was saying the game is the teacher, right? Anyway, whatever. You know what? It doesn't matter. No, I think you're right. <laughs> I want to say, and I brought this up on the podcast before too. Um, Anybody who games knows that if, if I'm just talking about digital gaming for a minute, when you go and you can't beat a level, you try it over and over and over again until you do beat it. And you've learned a little bit of yeah. something every single time to eventually pass it. That comes with a heck of a lot of uh, endorphins and dopamine that come in when you finally get that done, right? And it makes you feel accomplished. And that's the whole idea of the game is the teacher. And I've had two teachers here today with me um, thank you guys for being here, ladies and gentlemen. He's Philip Courtney. He's the CEO of Urban Arts and Cynthia Williams, the president of Wizards of the Coast and Hasbro Gaming. I hope you guys had a good time. I'm keeping to the hard stop time here, like we're one minute away. Um, so thank you guys so much for coming on. All thank right. Thank you, you so much. Us. Ladies and gentlemen, you've just add up. Attention. It's time to register for Elucian Live 2024, April 7th through 10th in San Antonio, Texas. Illuminate, innovate, 
Inspire. Explore higher education's greatest opportunities with future-ready ideas, solutions, and best practices designed to drive transformation. Register now at elive.elucian.com. This conference is going to be epic. Hey there, higher ed leaders. Are you thinking about joining the EdUp Experience podcast at Insights EDU on February 20th through 22nd in Phoenix, Arizona? 100%. I thought so. This is the go-to event for higher education marketing and enrollment management. At Insights EDU, you'll gain cutting-edge insights from industry experts, including speakers from companies like Google, LinkedIn, Adobe, Salesforce, and more. Become the transformational leader your campus needs by participating in discussions on important topics like online student demands and preferences, increasing affordability and accessibility, branding, measuring marketing performance, and much more. Insights EDU is the conference you need to attend in 2024. Register now at insightsedu.com and use the code EDUP to save $50 off your registration.